Shalacia Harris, your host of Buzzworthy. I'm going to be sitting down with our unique guests, entrepreneurs, and passionate people to help tell their stories about problems they're solving and their unique solutions. We'll get Manda to, you know, tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Manda. I'm the founder of Boardball, currently living in Toronto. By day, I'm a digital marketer, and by night, I'm a total sports fanatic. Um, I've been trying to travel as much as I can, obviously pending pandemic restrictions as the weather warms up, and just you'll find me around parks and beaches playing boardball. Amazing. And boardball obviously is our key topic today and how you started it. But what are some things you think prepared you to become an entrepreneur, Amanda? Yeah, I actually did an undergrad in business. Um, And so I think that my mindset had always been, you know, one day you're going to start a business and you're going to run with that. Um, I actually am currently working on a digital marketing agency with my team here in Toronto, and I've gotten a lot of like opportunity to help grow that team. I was like employee number four, and now, you know, we're about 20 people and, you know, and growing. And so I think that I had a lot of experiences and opportunities to get to this point with boardball. And even as a young kid, like I aspired to be an entrepreneur, I always liked to create, I always liked to work with my hands and start things from scratch. So um, I didn't think I would end up in, you know, consumer goods. I, I, I kind of always thought that I wouldn't deal with inventory, but you know, here I am now. So it's an <laughs> exciting time. It's always those things that we never thought we would be doing that sort of shows up on our radars later on. Yeah, definitely. It, it, this was very, um, you know, spontaneous. We never planned to create boardball into a business, but I think that with the excitement and the demand around it, once it was kind of seen in public, like we couldn't really ignore that. Yeah. And so I think that's something really great to, to tap into is that, you know, that excitement that you see from folks that say, Hey, you know, light bulb moment, this is a potential business because clearly there's demand. So take us back to the beginning. Um, What, challenge or problem did you experience that led to boardball how how did you even start yeah it was it was quite a an interesting beginning um so to give you some background like i i grew up playing volleyball i went to a pretty unique school in junior high for those who's from ottawa glass and public school you'll know it's pretty much volleyball central and so i grew up with a lot of friends who played volleyball and back in 20 18, I want to say was when we were on a trip with some friends in Mexico and we were just looking for a net to play with. Um, and we couldn't find one, the place where we were staying, there was a pool and there was like a bridge in the middle of the pool, which acted as a partition. So we're like, okay, let's use this as a net. But instead of like hitting the ball over the bridge, we were hitting the ball onto the bridge, a hard surface, something that was kind of new and foreign. Um, I had a lot of fun on that trip and, and I remember it being a great replacement for volleyball at the time, um, you know, flash forward to being in Toronto, it was a pandemic and, uh, we were looking for things to do. And so I had a squash court in my building that was like pretty much unused. And now I don't play squash. So I was trying to find ways to like be creative in the space. And I remembered like, Hey, like that was pretty fun when we play with the volleyball, hitting it off this like hard surface. Let's try to like recreate that experience. At the time I was with, you know, my sister boyfriend was in town and, uh, and my partner and he, 
like who's our co-founder today, um, we put together these like boards and we started just playing the game and pulled from elements of our favorite sports, volleyball for sure, you know, spike ball and round net and the, the way you move around the board was very much inspired by that. And it was just fun. Um, I invited other people to come play and it just became a hobby that we, we played for like months with family, friends. Um, and it was only until June of 2020 when the weather was nice and we were actually allowed to go outside again because it wasn't the lockdown at the time. And I was like, how are we going to bring this outside? I need to create something that's portable, like it doesn't exist. And so I put together some pieces of like, I think I had like scrap rubber. I think I actually bought the rubber on Kachichi. Um, <laughs> and I just started to, you know, get my hands dirty and create something portable. I brought it outside for the first time. Uh, we were downtown Toronto, right at the harbor front and started playing, you know? Um, mm. This is the first time it's been seen in public, really. And a group of people playing spike ball on the lawn, they like walked over and they're like, hey, can we play with you guys? And I was like, yeah, sure, this is great. Um, and, you know, me being the marketer, I, I luckily already had like kind of, branded it I called it board ball I was like this is you know it's simple it's board and a ball like we'll call it board ball and I had fun with the branding side but I never thought that it would be something where it would turn into a business and so you know they come over and they're playing with us and we take a video and that video surfaces on the score like about a week later um, you know hundreds and thousands of views I'm getting messages I'm getting comments I'm getting calls because I I had like bought a domain just for fun to like put up like the sport rules mm. um and then I got these calls being like hey like where can I buy board ball and I was like oh one moment and that night I incorporated <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I was like okay I guess we're doing this like uh, people want the board and we don't have the board but we're gonna find a way to make the board um so we started a kickstarter that summer and uh, it was a lot of fun a lot of learnings I had never been through a kickstarter before um the pressure mm. from like you know getting people's money to like invest in your idea and like fulfilling that promise like that was quite an experience but that's really how it came to be and um, never looked back since wow so this was completely organic almost like straight out of left field didn't expect it but your one experience you just took it out in public and that was almost your validation before you even really knew what it was Totally. And I mean, like I had the ideas and the vision that, you know, board ball could be a sport people played, but I didn't really have the steps in place to make it a business. Like the marketing side of me just liked drawing logos and coming up with brand names. And I mean, the, the website at the time, boardballsport.com had like 11 visitors in the total of like three months and they were probably me and my parents you know so I, I and I put analytics on the site just because again like that marketing background but I guess that's what kind of prepared me too like having the name ready and having the domain ready like even though you didn't think it was going to be a business like I thought I was just going to house the rules there and then people would like be inspired to play it but I didn't think they'd come to me to create the board and create the the company around it um yeah. so that was really cool and I was like okay this is the opportunity that I've been kind of wanting, you know, like I, I said it that I always kind of knew I wanted to go into entrepreneurship. Um, I didn't think it would be this. I didn't think it would be in sports, but I'm super happy it is because on the side, like, you know, you're, you're out there just playing a game and you're like, okay, this is my job. This is kind of fun. You're meeting people and you're playing a game. 
Yeah. I think that's really inspiring because it speaks to the two of your passions coming together with like marketing and being a sports fanatic, as you described yourself at the beginning and those two worlds really colliding. And what did that do for you? Did that create this new level of energy and invigoration for you and the trajectory that you saw for the business itself? Totally. Uh, I think that it was something that I, I knew that starting a business was going to be exciting, mostly because everyone says it is, and I listen to people, but it, it really was rewarding to see this come to life. And, and I think that especially like in the sports world, when you're out there, you're, you're actually actively out there, you know, you're on the field, you're interacting with people on a physical level. Like there's just this energy, this adrenaline that you have every day when you're putting out a new sport. Um, I think that was really what motivated me and also just meeting people. I've, I've gotten an opportunity to meet so many people along the way. So many people who support you on a level you never thought you'd get. Um, of course, you're going to get the flip side of that too, but it's, it's the supporters, those who really, you know, encourage you that really keeps you going. Um, and that energy is, is hard to replicate in any other environment. Like there's something so cool about creating something from scratch, having people talk about it, having people give you ideas, wanting to talk about it. It's, it's just incredible. And it motivates me every day. I completely agree with you. I sort of had the same thing happen to me as I sort of started my company and putting it out there a little bit more. And you're right. There is nothing else that really recreates that level of energy with that really supportive network. And you become a magnet, right? You start attracting all the right things and all the people that will help you create this dream. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say like, you know, it didn't, happen right away for us. Um, like boardball was in my apartment. The idea was in my apartment for quite some time. Like I didn't really promote it at a level that we do now, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. at the time, like when we were just playing in the squash court as, as a hobby, like I was just doodling. I put together some logos. I was having fun. I remember having a bunch of logos up on my mirror and people like my family and friends would come through and uh, I'd point and be like, well, what would you guys like? And mm. they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> but, they, but they picked it and it was fun. And I don't think that the vision was yet there. Like I, I felt it coming, but I couldn't really put a finger on it either. Like I couldn't really pinpoint what the next step was. I was just kind of having fun with like the storytelling of what boardball could be. Um, so that was really, really cool to see how it's all kind of come now. Yeah. And so just for a high level timeline, <clears throat> when were you in Mexico? Like just the year or month, month yeah. and year? That would have been uh, July of 2018. I remember because I had a concussion. Um, so this is such a side story, but that was the summer. And actually, was that the summer that the Raptors won? I believe so. I think it was 2019. It was it 2019? Yeah. Okay. No, that's we right. Have to, we have to Google. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This is so bad that I can't remember, but maybe that's the concussion speaking, but 2019 was the year the Raptors won. Either way, that game against Philly, you know, round two, game seven, buzzer beater by Kawhi Leonard. Like I was so excited. I was cheering so hard and I gave myself a concussion from cheering and hitting someone on the shoulder. Actually my co-founder on the shoulder, he was there. And, um, I was yeah concussed and I was in Mexico and I remember being like 
oh, I can't do much. And, you know, who knew that this is where it all started, like with a concussed head playing volleyball, mm-hmm. which is probably not wise, but um, that's, that's, so 2019, that summer, you know, yeah. we came back in the, we were there for about a week and never really touched it again. And then in the fall, like leading up to the pandemic, uh, we were starting to play in a squash court. The very first game, it was in September, and then again, like didn't really touch it after that. And then it was the actual pandemic, like that 2020 year, that start where I was like, okay, like, you know, this is, we've played it a few times now, not too much, but, you know, played it a few times and there was interest. And then I started inviting more people to play because like we didn't really have much to do. And then realized, you know, the squash court's not actually allowed to be used. So <laughs> uh, we stopped doing that and I needed to create something that was portable and that we could bring outside. So that's, that was the summer of 2020. And then the Kickstarter happened in September of 2020. It took us a year to develop all the joys of developing a product. It took us a year to develop, produce, and actually get all of our first, like our first batch of inventory in September of 2021. Wow. And that, so just this past fall was the first time we started selling on our, on our site, delivering to customers. Um, and, you know, it, only took about like four months for us to go through 90% of our inventory. And wow. And, and that's when like, okay, the wheels really started turning. Like we got to get moving on this. We've got to get onto the next step. So, you know, we put in another order, our second order is on the way right now. And it's like two 40 foot containers. So it's, it's just, it's an exciting time for us. And it's our first official summer with the boards. That's super exciting. And we're so glad like you're here to tell the story right in time for Victoria Day. That's next week. And our our listeners are going to hear this on May 16th, Victoria Day is next weekend. And hopefully they get inspired and get themselves board balls as well. So they can be playing wherever they are. I hope so too. I mean, I haven't yet like one thing I haven't come across yet is like walking on the beach and just like stumbling upon someone playing board ball. I get like, I get videos sent to me all the time. Um, and maybe that's because a lot of our customers at the time are, you know, like are in the States and it's not officially summer here yet, but I'm hoping to see these like kind of littered throughout the Toronto beaches. That'd be really cool to see. Is that your moment of success where you're just going about your daily activities and you stumble upon someone playing the game you invented? Totally. I think that would be super cool. I know that just a couple of weeks ago, uh, my co-founder was in Arizona and he stumbled upon a group of uh, volleyball players and he approached them and was like, hey, do you guys want to try board ball? And the guy was just like, oh yeah, that guy has board ball. And we're like, what? <laughs> and wow. turns out he, uh, the guy that he ran into was a Kickstarter backer that we had no, like, we didn't know him. Um, so that was really cool. That was like the closest thing, you know, at the time. Um, but hopefully I'll, I'll be able to experience that soon. That's awesome. So this started in, you know, 2018 summer. Did I get that right? I think we agreed it was 2019. <laughs> <laughs> 2019. Yes. Because the Raptors won. Yeah, okay. I don't think 2018, I had just so yeah okay so 2019 <laughs> summer this started you were in Mexico um yeah. and then fast forward to the pandemic you're bored you're trying to have fun with your family you're utilizing a space that you know wasn't supposed to be used and then 2021 you're in market and you're sharing this new sport with everyone 
What were some of the challenges that you experienced in building this business that you didn't anticipate having to build? Yeah, the challenges. Oh, man, like I think that, well, first of all, I'm not a product engineer. So building this as much as you would think it's simple, there's so many components in terms of like what materials to use, what sun exposure can the board, you know, uh, take in, how brittle should it be, how flex should it be, all of these things that like I could only explain in touch and feel. I couldn't explain in technical terms. And so I had a lot of studying and research to do. Um, I luckily, actually, I shouldn't say so luckily, it took a long time actually to really work with different partners to figure out what uh, was manufacturable. And to mind you, like this isn't some a product that was already readily made. Like I couldn't just buy this on the market and rebrand it. I would have loved that. That would have been made like really a lot better. But we had to start this from scratch. You know, there was the process of developing a mold and investing in yourself. That was a really big step. Um, working with partners overseas when and throwing a pandemic with that, you can't actually go there. You can't actually go and physically see the process, which is very recommended from anyone who's ever developing a product. Like, so that was a major challenge. Um, along with that, you know, we had an, a crazy year of a series of unfortunate events really between supply chain issues, logistics issues, freight containers were through the roof when we were doing our product, right? So we were kind of hit with all of these, wow, these, these records in history, the all-time highs, like, I'm like, great. Like, that sounds like a very hefty cause. Great you, time to start a business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have to just believe and, you know, invest in yourself. And at some point in that process, you can do all the research, you can do all of the planning, you can discuss all the details, but at some point, picking a partner and really putting that investment down, that's, that's when you have to take that leap. And I remember um, going through a couple of different avenues with different partners. And it, at one point, we were working with someone for five months developing the product. And it was so clear to me what was needed. And it was so clear to me that it's a new sport. You know, the sides that you see on the board itself, the red edges, that's like very important to the game and I just remember five months into this relationship we're on a zoom call it's like 11 p.m at night and the manufacturing team they're like okay so is this a new sport is this red side important I'm like I just see him put two palms on his head like oh my goodness we're at this point now in five months like we can't move forward you know and yeah. like I remember having to pivot so hard then uh, and finding other solutions and I did and I'm really really happy that I pivoted um, it sucked at the time I, I think you feel like you've wasted time but like you really don't like you learn from it um, would you do things differently absolutely but like I needed to go through that process to really learn and I think that that was really challenging like the amount of time required to get something to a manufacturability standpoint and then actually mass produce. Um, and I tried, I tried my best to keep like the Kickstarter community in like up to speed and up to date with what what's going on. But there were a lot that we didn't anticipate. Um, I think we had originally like planned for a six to eight month release and it took, it took about a year. Um, so that was, that was definitely a challenge. Um, and I wish I wish we could have done things slightly differently, but again, like for the next iteration, we definitely learned, but for the first one, there were definitely some challenges. 
Absolutely. And at what point, because we hear the word pivot all the time when it comes to companies and how they need to readjust themselves slightly to, to have a better fit. Um, what, what really happened for you and what was that decision that you had to make that caused you to pivot? Yeah, I think that as an entrepreneur, you're just pivoting all day. So, and you have to be totally okay with just spinning, I guess. But um, for us, like at the time, we were quite inexperienced in the manufacturing world. And so we were very stuck on, you know, finding one partner and working through that problem with them. And there was a point where it was very clear that they didn't actually understand the product that needed to be created. And I think at the time we were like, well, we're five months deep with them. Like, let's just keep going. Let's keep like sorting it out and resolving it. But like at some point you kind of have to let go of the investment of time and just really figure out like what you should do next. And at that point, we, we still had the conversations. We still were trying to solve some problems that I was having like three, four conversations in tandem with other partners. And mm-hmm. I think you, you really do have to like set yourself up in that way because some things just won't work out. And if you put too much energy into one avenue, you're going to lose sight of the possibilities in other avenues. And I think at that point was when I started to change my strategy. Whenever I work on something, like I work on two to three options kind of in tandem Mm -hmm. um, so that if we have to pivot, we have a plan to pivot and there's a runway for it. And so I think that was a big turning point for us. Um, It really was the, the reason why we were even able to get to market by September of 2021. If we had gone down the same path, I I'm very confident we wouldn't have launched at the same time we, we did. Yeah. And uh, yeah, commercializing anything, especially in the manufacturing space, often you don't just use one person to create everything. You're using multiple partners that come together with their sort of respective expertise to really create what's unique to you. And I think that's something you're sort of speaking to right now with having those multiple partners working through those different options and then, you know, bringing them to life. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that one of the areas that I'd say was a complete weak spot of mine was just like understanding the supply chain side of things and putting that all together. I think that was something I tried to just outsource. And that was my mistake earlier on, like take the time to really break down how your goods are moving through, you know, try to own those processes and like processes. And I think that like, it's scary as an entrepreneur. There's some things you just don't know how to do. So you just like kind of shy away from it and you try to just like outsource it. But the more you can understand, it doesn't mean you have to do it. It just means you'll find the right partners to do it well. I think that was our mistake, right? Like we didn't know how to manufacture something. So as soon as we talked to someone who was willing to talk to us, we were like, okay, we're in, you know, like, this is great. You believe in my product. I believe in you guys, like, it's going to be great. And then five months later, we're like, we've gotten nowhere, you know, and like the yeah. product is still breaking every time we used it. So like, I think that's, that's the thing. It's just like breaking it down and really trying to absorb as much as you can um, in understanding it and then figuring out who should manage it, whether it's your team internally or outsourcing it for the right kind of relationship. What do you think um, made it possible for you to sort of jump into this space that 
you've never really been exposed to, didn't have a lot of experience and what do you think allowed you to navigate it as best as possible? I think that like, as I was growing up, like my dad, he's a, he's a mechanic. And so I was always kind of raised using my hands and playing with things and learning how things work, um, fixing things. Like I would help him on his projects and like, we do a lot of home renovations together. And I, I really do think that really helps because then the process of like building a product wasn't so daunting. Like I could visually see how this gets put together. I, I understood the components that needed to go in. I just really couldn't put it in technical terms and, you know, design for manufacturability. And that was a, the biggest challenge because there's so many ways you can optimize the product for the best performing product on both effectiveness and efficiency. So that was the biggest gap for me. But like going back to my roots of, you know, being that person who's self-starting, using your hands, like it just, it gives you this kind of, confidence that you know anything is kind of possible like you can see it you can actually visually see it happening and I think that's what really helped a lot and prepared me for this most definitely and something you touched on that I think is so important and one of our previous um entrepreneurs touched on it is, is having that confidence in yourself. And a lot of that confidence we see often comes from a really young age and it sticks with you, but it also comes from you sort of proving to yourself time and time again, that you can do certain things. And that builds the confidence to, you know, even help set you up to be an entrepreneur now. And I know maybe, a few years back, you would never reflected on some, some of those things that you've done as a child and your experiences with your dad to say, Hey, this helped made me successful. But in hindsight, it's like all of these unique experiences really set us up for success in the future. Absolutely. And I should add like one of the biggest things that really helped as well, especially in the earlier days is, and really like to this date, we still do this, but like you talk to people, you know, like talk to industry experts, talk to friends, talk to family members, talk to anyone who's willing to talk about your business, because you're going to learn a perspective that you just, you didn't think of. Um, whether you take the advice or not, it's, it's really good to get that scope and that, that additional like learning from people from different like backgrounds to really help you create like the best possible product and experience for others to enjoy. I really found a lot of value just picking up the phone and talking to someone for like, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And, and it's incredible how many people are also just like willing to have that conversation with you. I have so many people to thank in helping me get to like where we are today, because uh, whether it was just like you know, just a confidence booster or actually like very valuable insights in the industry to take from, like it was all very appreciated. And I don't think that I could have done it alone. No, that's, I think that's um, really fantastic because you do have to build that community around yourself, get those outside perspectives. And I know a lot of folks are very concerned about, you know, not sharing their idea because like it might get stolen. Someone else yeah. might do it. Yeah. And I think it's quite unique of entrepreneurs that, you know, that little thing in the back of your head that people are like, oh, like keep it under wraps for as long as possible. That really doesn't help you succeed as fast no. as you possibly can. And it's, it's a great thing that you've done it. It's something that I've learned as well as just 
go out there, talk to people. People will help you improve your product for free, you know, with just their ideas, whether they know it or they don't. So that's, I think that's a really great tip for anyone to take away as they're sort of navigating, you know, a new business or doing anything new for the first time. For sure. And I think that that's so common for a lot of like founders and entrepreneurs, like even at the very beginning for us, like keep it under the wraps, like you're in stealth mode. Don't talk about it. Don't release your secrets. Honestly, there's, there's not much, there's not a lot of secrets. Like we're pretty vulnerable. We need help. (laughs) We got to talk about this. And there was a period though, where like, I think that, you know, there was sensitivity, sensitivity around like what we could share. But the more I started talking to people, the more I realized, like, I can't keep this um, totally internal. Like, I need help to understand if, like, this product is going to make it, you know. And um, I think that the big thing, too, is, like, you kind of you kind of get really protective over your idea. But really, not everyone's just going to get, go- like, get started on it. Like, it takes a lot to get going with an idea. Like, even if it's an idea that's easily penetrable, you think that others are going to enter the space. But you think back to how much work you put in to get to where you are. Like, it's not going to happen that quick. And if you just focus on, you know, your next steps, keep on moving, you're going to be ahead. So I think that I would agree with you that, you know, you got to show that vulnerability and really just have those conversations. Yeah, totally agree. There is something I wanted to sort of take us back to a little bit is Kickstarter. Yeah. What, what brought you into Kickstarter? How did you find out about it? And tell our audience what Kickstarter actually is. Yeah, so I actually didn't know much about Kickstarter before doing a Kickstarter campaign. Um, if you recall the story of how I, you know, brought the product out for the first time and that group of people playing spike ball approached us, one of those guys who was part of that group actually ended up coming on to be one of our founding team members. And he was the one who really pushed me to go down the Kickstarter route. He's like, you should do Kickstarter. Like, this is going to be great. And I was like, okay, great. What's Kickstarter? (laughs) And um, I, I knew like the premise was crowdfunding. I didn't know what the elements would be and what the process would be like, but essentially it allows, it's a platform that allows you to bring an idea to life. You know, whether you're crowdfunding or trying to raise funds to manufacture and mass produce or to create a film or to, you know, back something where you actually need funding to validate that your idea is going to have a market. Like that's really what Kickstarter is used for. Um, And for us at the time, we had a prototype and we needed help with raising funds to you know, actually go through with buying a mold and investing in a mold and then actually putting a deposit on our first run. And it's a lot of money, right? Like for anyone who's starting a business, if you're bootstrapping, like for us, we did the Kickstarter and we bootstrapped the rest. And that's like a lot to take on. But Kickstarter not only helps you with the initial funding, it also helps you validate your product, right? So that's huge. And you learn so much from the Kickstarter experience. I think the biggest thing you learn is like dealing with pressure (laughs) because you set up this timeline and you're like, I'm going to hit this milestone then, and I'm going to, you know, release the product at this date. And then now you've set yourself up with these like targets that you in theory have to meet and it pushes you, right. And it pushes you to manage 
your community. It pushes you to manage your partners. It pushes you to continue to evolve and get this development going. So the Kickstarter experience is a very humbling experience, <laughs> I will say. Um, but it was definitely, definitely very helpful for us in the earlier days. Absolutely. And I love that you talk about, you know, sort of that pressure and that can come off as obviously pressure is stress, right? From like a physics standpoint, but when you have that, it sort of gives you that additional reason to keep going. Cause you're like, can't disappoint anyone out there, but you also know that the folks that are close to you and that are still working with you, if there is some sort of disappointment, you're forgiven for that because there's so much transparency within it. There is so much you're, you know, you're building this community that trusts you to do all these things and they know they're going to be ups and downs. And I think that's a really important part of you know, building that community and having those early validators of your product support you throughout that process. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So Boardball has gone through so many things in the past, you know, two years from your idea to where it is now. And now we're in 2022 going into your first ever big summer since you've had boards ready to launch in September, 2021, where's Boardball now? And, you know, what successes have you found? Where can people find Boardball? Yeah. So Boardball really where we're at right now is building up that community. You know, we've got about a thousand boards out there being played on every day, which is super exciting. We've got two containers coming in, you know, in the next few days um, and really, really looking forward to having this be the summer of community engagement between our events, our meetups, our tournaments. I think that it's safe to say you're going to see us out and about on beaches and parks and really trying to push this sport um, and get as many hands playing boardball, you know. Uh, I think that we have an opportunity to really take the next two the next season really to push this new idea out there. It's, it's one that as much as it's seen success and traction in the earlier days, there's still so much room um, for growth and so much to do on our side to really get this sport out there and continue to develop and evolve what this sport actually means for people. I think that our community has been fabulous and everyone's so great at communicating with us. People text me. Like I have people who own boards and customers who like just text me, you know, videos, all that stuff. But we want to have all those people come together now. You know, I've been talking to so many different people and I'd love for all these people to have an opportunity to also meet and build mm -hmm. this community with me. So I think that's really where we're at right now. So is there a future of board ball tournaments and different things like that happening? Yeah, for sure. So we definitely have meetups and tournaments in uh, a few different cities planned for the summer. The best way to kind of keep up with the details would be on our website, boardballsport.com and just subscribing to the mailing list. Awesome. And if someone wanted to get their hands on, you know, a board ball, like what makes Boardball unique, especially from like an accessibility standpoint? I wanted to touch on this with you because I know this is sort of one of the key values of Boardball itself. How does that wrap into the game and how it's played? Yeah, so Boardball really was uh, created to like lower the barriers 
to playing volleyball. Like for us, like we grew up playing volleyball as we got older, we weren't a part of leagues. We didn't play on a competitive team. So getting access to a traditional court with net set up and rallying a big group of friends was, was not always easy to do. Whereas like with boardball, we're basically reducing the extensive setup required so that you can play anytime and anywhere. Instead of needing that traditional court and net, you know, you've got a board, you got a volleyball and you got four people. It's equally competitive, um, dynamic, and it really does provide an accessible way for you to use your bump set spike skills. Wow. And it's really exciting because I'm really excited to eventually own a board ball one day because I love going to the beach. I love planning picnics. And so I think it's such a great portable game to like have around and, you know, things like ladder ball and sort of the sandbag games, they've all become really popular um, since the pandemic. So having another new innovative game that is quite portable is really exciting for me as someone that loves outdoor spaces and playing games as well. And it's sort of the, the time was right for you to step into this space. There are a lot of different games and alternative sports and, you know, recreational lawn games that are, have really paved the way for us. You know, I think that uh, it had, like, we are the first movers in our particular sport but the category itself has already been underway and that really opened the doors for us, which is great. Uh, what I really love about board ball, um, and I play a ton of different you know, sports and I mentioned before, I'm a sports fanatic, um, but what I re- really love about board ball is that you can really kind of adjust your level of play. You can play very casually, uh, which we actually call small ball, <laughs> but then you can really like, challenge yourself when you're competing against people at or above your skill level, the game does really become quite intense. Um, You know, we got to actually witness this firsthand at one of our first tournaments. People were getting really heated. Rallies were like ongoing. The skill level and the effort put into the sport was phenomenal. And it was so, so cool to see people take this sport that you created and just completely level it up. I mean, Mm -hmm. like I'm, again, I'm decent at volleyball and I definitely have the foundation and the technique to do well in board ball, but there's no way I'm as good as some of these players, board ballers, we call them. And I'm just so happy to see that it's risen to a level that is beyond what I ever imagined. It's, it's so much fun to watch. And do you see this ever becoming like a proper competitive sport? Do you want it to get into that realms? Yeah, I actually remember one of the conversations I had with my co-founder back in the squash court days. And at the time, like I just said this in passing and I was like laughing. I was like, you know, what would be so cool if this was an Olympic sport and this squash court was a a glass box. And because at the time when when we were playing in a squash court, we were playing off the walls too. So that's like a, a different kind of gameplay mode. But I was like, imagine this was like a glass box and there was an arena that we were in and people were just watching you play board ball off the walls, all this stuff. And we were kind of laughing about it, but you know what? Like when we actually launched the product, we brought on two Olympic players, one of which is a world champion in beach volleyball, Melissa Jimena Paredes. And they're part of our team now. So I'm like one step at a time, but we've got Olympians playing this game. So who knows? If the possibilities are endless. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
That's so exciting, Manda. And I just wanted to open it up for anything else you wanted to share with us, share with anyone looking to become an entrepreneur or, you know, have it in their mind. When do they know the opportunity is right for them to sort of take something like this on and turn it into a business? Yeah, I think that what I'll, what I'm about to share is like no secret, right? Like just talk to as many people earlier on. I think it's so important for you to have those conversations, people who may love your idea, people who may hate your idea. It's worth having those conversations. It's worth, you know, doing that kind of like market validation. Um, it'll help you. It'll help you just see different sides and see different perspectives and it'll make for, a better result at the end of the day when you go to actually execute on your business, whether you're producing a product or you're, you know, putting together a service business, getting firsthand feedback from people is super important. And I can't really stress that enough. One thing I actually wanted to touch on with you a little bit, but I wasn't sure how to bring it into the conversation was developing the rules around board ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We didn't really talk about that. Um, but basically we, we play a lot of volleyball. So a lot, a lot of the rules and the development of the sport lends itself to volleyball. Like how you interact with the ball is completely how you would interact in a game of volleyball, you know, a proper bump, a proper spike, all of those clean rules exist. The element in which we kind of put a spin on it is taking that 360 motion around a board where there's no, like, you know, this side versus that side. And so we pulled from sports that already existed, things like spike ball, round net, or spike ball and round net's the same thing, uh, from volleyball, and really put together how that could function. It's not nothing magical, but like any other sport, you think tennis, pickleball, ping pong, they're all racket sports, played two sides with very similar rules, but yet you play all three of them and you interact with the ball differently. And that's mm -hmm. where we figure, you know what, like, we found a game that's physically enduring, competitive enough with a different twist on how you play volleyball and it stuck. And so that's how really we, we've kind of created the rules. And to this day, like it's, we're in our first year of like actually being out there. We're still getting tips from people like, Hey, like, how do you do a block? And we're like, okay, this is how, and then we like learn from it. And then we, again, this pivot idea, right. Of continuously like evolving the rules in the game is, is totally normal. Um, but I'm sure from what we're talking about today to like where it's going to be in a year or two, like it might change, mm -hmm. but the core of it is really to make the game of volleyball more accessible. So a lot yeah. of it is, is definitely inspired um, from volleyball. Amazing. Thank you, Amanda, so much for joining us on Buzzworthy to talk about your definitely buzzworthy business board ball and the challenges you've been through your personal story and the future of board ball and potentially we will see it on the Olympics in a glass box and everyone <laughs> around us cheering um, that would be definitely exciting to see and we really hope that anyone looking for their own board ball can visit your website and you know get their own board ball we know you have a new shipment coming in. Um, and we're really hoping for all the successes and potentially we might have a giveaway and that's something we'll talk about later, but stay tuned listeners. Um, we'll have something up and ready for you to participate and potentially get your own board ball. Thanks so much for having me. It's been awesome. 
Awesome. Thank you. Bye. A huge thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in every week to hear about our buzzworthy businesses. Don't forget to rate us on whatever platform you're listening and following us at, at Hamilton Hive on all of the social media platforms. But most importantly, we want to thank our team of dedicated volunteers who make this podcast possible on a weekly basis. So here we go. Cesar Cardenia, Khalid Imam, James Clark, Trisha Ford, Ratri Toon, Hirsch Kumar Patel, Fernando Rodriguez, Yvette R., and yours truly, Shalacia Harris. Don't forget to tune in next Monday for a new episode of Buzzworthy.